morning WP Naz happy Sunday thought of that verse from the Psalms I think I committed it to memory in the King James Version years ago I was glad when they said unto me let us go into the house of the Lord and my very next thought was we're the house of the Lord go to Peter's letter so the house is gathering uh, in to hear his word to pray together to encourage each other to worship uh, the Lord, and we're grateful for that opportunity. Memorial Day is Monday. You probably knew that, right? And this is more than a three-day weekend, right? Memorial Day is a day we remember those who have literally given their lives in the armed service of our country. I've never asked this question before on this weekend, but I'm going to today. I want you to stand if you know someone or served with someone that lost their life in the armed service of our country. Bill Springston is standing already, and I know he knows someone, Kelly, Colleen, Lance, a number of us have. Well, you may be seated. Before we begin our service this morning, let's pause. And remember those who have uh, paid that price in the service of our country this morning. We've got a video that will help us uh, do that today. And let's be thankful. Amen. With the rising of the sun each morning. Let's bring those lights down for this, please. How you rose to the call. And with every sunset, in every evening, we remember the beauty of your sacrifice. We remember what you stood for. 
and we will not forget what it cost. To the families, friends, and fellow service members of the heroes we've lost, we remember. In the peaceful days, in the quiet nights, in the moments of joy and laughter, in the seasons of celebration, we remember that it did not come without a price. Because of you, we can walk in liberty. Because of you, the flag is still there. Because of you, this is the land of the free and the home of the brave. On this day, we remember the price you paid to pledge your allegiance. So today, tomorrow, and for the rest of our lives, we remember. ever get back east come and see us and take a trip down to Arlington National Cemetery that will give you some perspective our freedom our privileges our comforts and provision didn't come without a price and today we remember that and give thanks nor did the freedom and forgiveness and life we know in Christ that came with a price Jesus paid it all amen and on this Memorial Day weekend, let's remember that. Let's stand as Lori and our friends lead us in singing today.
Jesus, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord, for paying the ultimate price for us. Lord, there is no way we could have covered our sins, not one of them, and you covered them all. We praise you, Jesus. We thank you for that. We thank you for the fact that we can come in here and worship you freely today, Jesus. We can stand here and shout your name over and over and over and not be arrested for it, not be condemned for it, but just to love you openly and freely. Lord, thank you for that freedom. Thank you for being here with us, Holy Spirit. We thank you that you have been waiting for everyone to arrive this morning, that you have a plan for each of us individually and as a church. I pray, Lord, that our hearts will open up to you this morning, that you can come in and plant seeds and reap a harvest. I pray, Jesus, that we will be sensitive to your spirit, that you will feel welcome to come in even more. Lord, I thank you for what you're going to do in this service today and in our week. We can't breathe without you, Lord. We can't do anything without you, so I am so grateful that you are willing to put breath in our lungs this morning. That tells us we have a purpose for your kingdom, and we thank you for that. Show us the way, Jesus. Show us what you want us to do. Help us to love one another well the way that you love us. And, Lord, I just pray that the rest of this service, Lord, that you will continue to move, that we will continue to pour out our praises to you in many different ways, Lord. I pray that you'll be with Pastor Ben as he brings your word this morning. And Lord, I just pray that we will apply it when we leave. Lord, we love you. You are a good father. And we thank you for all you're going to do. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Would you guys turn and greet one another and welcome each other here this morning?
Good morning. You may be seated. It's so good to be together, isn't it? It's good to meet, be here and uh, see old friends and to meet new friends. Just want to say thank you. Thank you for coming to worship at WP NAS this morning. It's so good to be together. As you came in this morning, I thank you all got one of these beautiful pink handouts, didn't you? If you did not, please raise your hand because one of our ushers, they have some extra. They're going to bring them around. You want to be sure and have one of these pink um, handouts because it has some incredible, wonderful information in there that you will want to have so you can get involved. One of the things in there is our connection card. This is how we stay connected. And we have somebody very special hiding behind our connection card. Who is that? Who is it? Millie. That's our little Millie. Yep. Hiding behind the connection card. So just take a few minutes and uh, just jot your name and your email address on there. If, you, if this is your first time with us, we would love to just be able to send you an email this week and say thank you so much uh, for coming and see if you have any questions or anything that we can be helping you with. So if you'll go ahead and just fill that out, that would be uh, very much appreciated, and I thank you so much. Also on the back, we would love to be praying for you. So if there are any needs that we can be lifting you up in prayer, please write that down there on the back of that card. And in a few minutes, our ushers are going to come and wait on us for our morning tithes and offerings, and you can put those in the offering plate at that time. So thank you so very much for doing that. Um, we have here at our church a benevolence fund. Um, this is a fund that helps people with some special needs, um, both outside our church and from within our church. We do have several needs that have come to our attention that we would love to be able to bless these folks with. Um, but we need some funds in there to do that. So if you feel God leading you to give to our benevolence fund, you can do that with a check and just write that down on the memo part of that check or through by online giving, you can do that. And if you have any questions about that, just see me after the service. And thank you so much for your generosity. We have VBS coming up very, very soon, June 20th, 21st, and 22nd. VBS is very special to me because it was at VBS that I gave my heart and my life to Jesus Christ. And I will forever be grateful to VBS. And any time I get an opportunity to be involved in VBS, I just love it. And, and I'm so blessed. So also in your handout, you will see another little handout. This is to give out to someone, someone that you know that maybe doesn't have a church home that would really uh, benefit from coming and, and hearing about the love of Christ, invite them to come to VBS. We also would like you to invite some friends to uh, get involved in helping with our VBS. It's so much fun to be a part of that. And we just have a little video that talks about how to get um, involved in serving in our VBS. Before VBS, I was a chef at a fancy restaurant just down the street. Retired. I'm a mom to two beautiful girls and a dance coach. Before VBS, I taught middle school gym. I lead a small group for teenagers. 
Who would have known that it would all lead to this? <laughs> oh yeah, I let my granddaughter dress me out. But that's why I was so ready to get dressed up for the skits. I get to create masterful, theme-inspired dishes for snack time. Outdoor activities, they're my jam. That's why I love leading games. I love to dance. I dance at the coffee shop. I even dance when I'm watering my plants. That's why I jump at this opportunity. High fives are essential for creators. That's why I've been working hard on the High Fiverator 2.0. The reward? It's the kids, hands down. They inspire me. The kids' bright, shining faces. When the kids are happy, I'm happy. Making sure they have fun makes it all worthwhile. You have what it takes. You have what it takes. You have what it takes. Will you step up? Yes, and you all definitely have what it takes. There's a table right there in the foyer. You can sign up to serve at VBS this year. And thank you so very, very much for praying about that opportunity to serve our kids and our community like that. Also, District Youth Camp is coming up June 2nd through the 5th. Um, Pastor Scott says it's not too late to sign up, so if you'd like to sign up, uh, just go ahead and write that on your card if you're interested in any uh, information or anything about that, and the information, the details are in your handout. Next week, we're going to be having a potluck here together. You are all invited, and another opportunity to bring a friend with you. Details are also in your handout. I'm going to invite our kids to stand and go on out. I think they have already gone out, haven't they? Man, they snuck out ahead of me. Okay. All right. They're already there. Back in the back enjoying Kids Church. I want to read uh, to you from Ephesians 5 before our ushers come to wait on us for our morning tithes and offerings. Ephesians 5, beginning with verse 15, says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the Lord for his written word, his love letter to us. I'm going to invite our ushers to come forward for our morning tithes and offerings. And let's pray and thank the Lord for his generosity to us. Father, we thank you so very much for your spirit that is here today. We thank you, Lord, that we can serve you, that we can serve a generous God. And Father, as we serve you and as we um, see how generous you are with us, Lord, help us to be generous with others. And Father, I just thank you for this opportunity 
to continue to worship you by giving our tithes and offerings. And Lord, we thank you. We praise your holy name. In Jesus' name. to continue our time of worship this morning, but I wanted to share with you just a, a little bit. This worship team gets ready every Sunday, and we listen to what we call heart prep before we come in, and we're getting ready for Jesus, and this morning we came in, and we just kind of discuss it, and we talk about it, and this morning what we were talking about is our grateful hearts and how if you're constantly grateful to Jesus, and thanking him over and over for just the little things along with the big things, that your heart just starts to, to bulge and just explode with gratefulness, which just turns into worship. And this morning we were just kind of going around and saying things we were grateful for, and um, it was really beautiful to hear all the things, our freedoms, our freedom from sin, a, a car that's working to get you to work, everything that you can imagine. And then we started hearing this bird sing out of nowhere. And it was up in the rafters over here. And it was just singing this beautiful song. And we just kind of stopped and listened for a minute. And it was just, we were like, it's in here somewhere. We don't know where it's at. So we sang our first song. And after we sang that first song, I looked back at Scott. And his hands were up like this. And I was like, what? And then he pointed, and he said, the lights are on. And those lights have been off for two weeks when we had that really heavy snow. And we were like, wow, Lord, thank you for the lights being on. That's a huge expense that God just rescued us from. So there's another thing to be thankful for. So I hope that you can think of something as we're getting ready to worship that you're thankful for what Jesus has done for you just this week or today. And... Um, just think of that as you worship him. Would you stand with me?
of him? I want more of him. Oh, Lord Jesus, come.
Father, that is the cry of our heart. How I want to worship you. How can I do any less for the God who loved me when I was unlovable? For God, for the God who saw all my faults and said, there's hope, there's healing, there's deliverance, there's freedom. And you did that through the indwelling presence of Holy Spirit. Provenient grace, calling me when I didn't even know I needed you. And in reality, I really didn't want you. But you said, come. Thank you, God. Thank you for that truth. We're going to hear about that today through Pastor Ben, how that Holy Spirit comes to do so much more. And God, I praise you for that. I thank you for that. This is Pentecost Sunday. The day in the church calendar that we remember the outpouring of Holy Spirit on the body of Christ. And God, that has not ceased. You continue to pour out your spirit. And God, we want that more than anything and everything that we do, all that we are, everything that we attempt as the body of Christ. We want it to be led, anointed with your spirit. So God, move today in each of us. And maybe we've come and there's been junk, stuff that is making it hard to enter into your presence. God, we just release those. We, we renounce them. And God, we just say, Holy Spirit, fill me afresh and anew. Continue to move on me. The worship team's already done their part. But now, God, I say, let Holy Spirit move in me. And so, God, we declare that in this place. God, we lift up the Church of the Nazarene as in, in just two weeks, they will be meeting from, with people from across the globe representing the church. And the, the prayer for today is to pray for a spirit of peace to rest upon each person. We think of peace as absence of conflict, and it is that, but God, it is so much more. It is a deep-seated contentedness that Holy Spirit brings in us. So, God, I pray, I declare that over the body of Christ, over the, each delegate as they come, a spirit of deep-seated contentedness. And, God, we continue to lift up our pastor interim, but still he's our pastor for now, Pastor Ben. God, continue to move through him. Let his words be anointed with your presence today. in the name of Jesus that we pray all of these things. Amen. Thank you, friends. Next Sunday is our last Sunday, and Kelly and I are going to preach together. It's going to be a long message. Just kidding. Hey, turn to Acts chapter 2. It is Pentecost Sunday, the end of the Easter season. I'm going to preach from Acts chapter 2 in just a bit. Um, Memorial Day weekend, at least back home, is kind of the unofficial beginning of summer. Is it around here? Emmy, Emmy says happy official beginning of summer. Isn't that a cute picture? There you go. 
She looks like me. Whew. I hope not. Hey, thanks to Kelly for a good message from the parable of the great banquet, uh, Luke chapter 14 last Sunday. What an invitation when you think about it. Uh, Jesus likening the kingdom of God to an invitation to a great banquet and all that God has for us there. Uh, that invitation is open to everyone. But as was the case in the parable, uh, so it is in real life, uh, not everyone accepts that invitation. And in the parable and today, uh, people make excuses for not participating in that and miss out on the opportunity of an eternal lifetime. Don't let that be you, amen? Kelly's question was a good one last uh, week. What, if anything, is hindering you from experiencing all that God has for you? I've uh, asked myself that question this week, prayerfully considered that. The life that God invites us to isn't always easy, and maybe it's some of the responsibility <laughs> that hinders some folks from accepting that invitation. It's not the easiest life, but it's the very best life we could choose. Amen? Well, with God's help, continue to ask that question and prayerfully consider it uh, in the days ahead. Two Sundays ago, I preached, and we opened the Gospel of John, and we listened to the teachings of Jesus about the Holy Spirit on that night before the cross when he gathered his disciples together for that one last time. Actually, it wasn't the last time with the disciples, but the last time before the cross and resurrection. And in that uh, time together, Jesus said he would not leave those disciples as orphans. He would send another counselor, advocate. Helper, paraclete, the word that Jesus uses for the Holy Spirit there in the Gospel of John is a rich word. He's someone who will come alongside us, teach us, guide us, convict us, lead us, and remind us of what Jesus taught, empower us to be like Jesus. And he is the means by which Christ lives in us. I offered these analogies in a previous message. I'm not sure if it was here in this past year or in a years past in my old home church. Let's say you're a head coach for a football team. The Holy Spirit is your coaching staff. He's the guy up in the booth with a good view of the field and headphones on. The Holy Spirit is uh, that defense attorney who will represent you if you're in a traffic accident in court before the judge. You've got a tree down in your yard, and you're out there with your buck saw, sawing like all get out, and he's your neighbor that comes along with a chainsaw. He's the tutor that gets you through Algebra 3. He's the Holy Spirit, the big brother that looks out for you at school. He's the friend that sits with you in the waiting room who's just there, whose presence makes all the difference in the world. He's the one who will make sure you don't feel alone or abandoned in this world. Thanks be to God the Father, for God the Holy Spirit. A couple of Sundays ago, I said that we tend to make two errors when it comes to the Holy Spirit, both reflecting perhaps one bigger one. The first error is that we give so little attention to the Holy Spirit that we almost write him out of the gospel story. I think we Nazarenes may tend to do that. 
Or secondly, we may make him and spiritual gifts especially so dominant in our faith that the Holy Spirit becomes central. I think the bigger error we make that leads to those other errors is that we lose the connection. We don't recognize and keep the connection between the Holy Spirit and Jesus. On that night before the cross, he said to his disciples, Jesus did, I will send you another counselor. Well, who was the first? Jesus was. And the Holy Spirit continues the ministry of Jesus in and among and through his church. The Holy Spirit was anticipated at the very start of Jesus' ministry. Matthew chapter 3, John the Baptist speaking to the crowds, preparing the way for Jesus before his public ministry even began. He said, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. That baptism that John the Baptist anticipated and the sending of the Spirit that Jesus anticipated in the upper room the evening before the cross and the arrival of the gift of the Spirit that Jesus told his disciples after his resurrection to wait for happened on the day that we remember and celebrate today, and that's Pentecost. So to Acts chapter 2, I'd like to begin reading in verse 1. Acts chapter 2 at verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, suddenly. I love that word. I've been waiting for 10 days, waiting, waiting, waiting. And then suddenly the day came. A sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. And Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who are in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. I imagine a little laughter right there, a little humor on Peter's part. No, this is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel. In the last days, those are all the days since Jesus came. God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That is the word of the Lord. 
Someone asked me uh, the week after I preached a couple of Sundays ago what the difference was in the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament as opposed to the New, before Jesus and after Jesus. Good question. It's not like the Holy Spirit sprang into existence on Acts chapter 2. He's been around the whole time. The Spirit was there on the surface of the deep as God created the world. The Holy Spirit would come upon men and women from whom God, that God used to deliver and lead His people throughout the Old Testament. Think Moses or Deborah or Gideon or Samson or David and others. But in the fullness of time, the Holy Spirit came to live in us and to fill us. Amen. Here's my message for this Pentecost Sunday. Filled with the Spirit. The coming of the Holy Spirit to fill believers on Pentecost completed the work of God in Christ. We think about two big holidays, Christmas and Easter. We need five big holidays, Christmas, Good Friday, Easter, Ascension Day, and Pentecost to fully get our arms around the work of God in Christ. And when the Holy Spirit came on Pentecost, what a difference. It all seemed to come together that day. It all made sense now. Just days before, the disciples were still asking questions that indicated that they still didn't quite grasp what was happening. Are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Like, are you going to get the Romans out now? They had fled and hid when Jesus was arrested. Even as after his resurrection, when they met Jesus on that Galilean hillside, some were still doubting. But after the Spirit came, they were ready. And I'm reminded that the first thing those Spirit-filled followers of Jesus did was speak. One of the first fruits of the Spirit filling those disciples was proclamation. I think we need to hear that. They declared the wonders of God in the languages of the many people from the various countries who had gathered for the Jewish feast of Pentecost. The keynote speaker that day was Peter. What a difference the Spirit made in Peter, amen? On Thursday night of Holy Week, just weeks before that, he was denying that he ever even knew Jesus. And now he's stepping up and preaching the good news of Jesus with clarity and boldness. And look at the fruit of the Spirit filling those believers. 3,000 believed and were saved after that first Christian message was preached. Later on in this same chapter, that beautiful summary of that early church, beginning of verse 42, the fruit of the Spirit, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, devoted themselves, and to the fellowship. In other words, they devoted themselves to each other other, to the breaking of bread, possibly a reference to communion, honoring that sacrament, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, wonders, and signs that were being performed by the apostles. All the believers were together. They sold property when there was a need within the church. They were there for each other. 
Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They worshiped together. They praised God. They enjoyed the favor of the community. And to those 3,000 charter members, the Lord added daily those who were being saved. The church was often running on Pentecost Sunday. And the gospel spread throughout the Roman Empire so that by the 4th century, Constantine named it the official religion of the empire. Parenthetically, that was not all good, but it was an indication of the spread and influence of Christian faith. It spread primarily west at first, but eventually all around the world so that today there are something like 3 billion Christians. Just our own Church of the Nazarene is 3.5 million strong in 165 countries around the world, an international church. I don't know if it's still true, but a few years ago, the largest district in the Church of the Nazarene was in India. The church is exploding in South America where bivocational pastors, that is pastors who have day jobs, are leading churches running over a 1,000. If trends continue, Africa will be the most Christian continent on earth. There are Christians by the tens of millions in communist China today. Don't form your opinion of the state of Christ's church by what you see in these United States and Canada, where numbers are dropping and influence is waning. Same in Europe. Globally, the church has never been more alive. And once in a while, we ought to remind ourselves of that, because it can get a little discouraging around here. Why is that? Because on Pentecost 20 centuries ago and in the lives of hundreds of millions since, believers are filled with and experience the fruit of the Spirit. I preached last uh, Pentecost Sunday. can't believe we've been here two Pentecost Sundays. Do you remember this little illustration? I think this is the same balloon. This is the church filled with the Spirit. That's the church without the Spirit. Sometime back, the AP carried this story. Glasgow, Kentucky. Leslie Puckett, after struggling to start his car, lifted the hood and discovered that someone had stolen the motor. If the church is struggling, if the church isn't running as smoothly as it ought, if we're not going at Jesus' command, perhaps we ought to pop the hood. If I'm struggling, if the passion that I had at some point in my spiritual journey just isn't there anymore, if I'm not going, if I'm not seeing every day as an opportunity to show and tell the good news of the gospel, maybe I better pop my hood. For anyone who may be feeling discouraged about his church, here's a challenge from 17th century Anglican William Gurnall. What does it matter though the church be like Jonah in the whale's belly? Swallowed up out of view by the fury of men. Do you not remember that the whale had no power to digest the prophet? Do not be too quick to bury the church before she is dead. 
Be patient while Christ tries his skill before you give it over. By your prayers, bring Christ to its grave to speak a resurrection word. Indeed, we dishonor the word of God if when the church's power is at its lowest ebb, we do not take the single bond of his promise as a guarantee of its deliverance. Resurrection work in his church is the work of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Listen to what one commentator wrote at the end of his 19th century commentary on the book of Acts. Church of Christ, the record of these acts of the Holy Spirit has never reached completeness. This is the one book which has no proper closing because it waits for new chapters to be added so fast and so far as the people of God shall reinstate the blessed spirit in his holy seat of control. Do any of us need to reinstate the Holy Spirit in our lives? I believe each of us needs to ask ourselves that question. I read Psalm 99 this past week. My lectionary readings for that day included that psalm. It begins with the three words, the Lord reigns. And my immediate prayer was, Lord reign in me. We used to sing that song back home. I don't know if you have here. Lord reign in me, reign in your power over all my dreams in my darkest hour. You are the Lord of all I am, so won't you reign in me again? What was true historically, that the coming of the Holy Spirit completed the work of God through Christ, Christ in us, the hope of glory, is true in our own personal spiritual life and journey. God wants all of us believers to be filled with the Spirit. And with all the power and all the guidance and all the gifts and all the help, and counsel, and comfort, and conviction that comes with him. The Holy Spirit wasn't just sent to those 11 in the upper room that night that Jesus met with them. The Holy Spirit came and filled 120 believers on Pentecost, and billions more in the centuries that followed. When and how are we filled with the Holy Spirit? Church of the Nazarene believes in a second definite work of grace. We call it entire sanctification. Entire, not because the work is done and over, but because the Holy Spirit entirely fills the believer as we fully surrender to Him. Here's our article of faith uh, that I've paraphrased and shortened just slightly for use here this morning. We believe that sanctification, the broader term, is the work of God which transforms believers into the likeness of Christ. That's the end goal. We want to be like Jesus. It is wrought by God's grace through the Holy Spirit initially when we are saved, entirely in that second definite work of entire sanctification, and then in an ongoing way in the continued perfecting work of the Holy Spirit, culminating in glorification. The job isn't done until we go on to be with Jesus. And then... We believe that entire sanctification is that act of God subsequent to being saved by which believers are made free from original sin. Not just sins that we commit, but there's this sinfulness in us and brought into a state of entire devotion to God and the holy obedience of love made perfect or complete 
It is wrought by the baptism with or the infilling of the Holy Spirit and comprehends in one experience the cleansing of the heart from sin and the abiding, indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, empowering the believer for life and service. I'm going to wrestle a little bit here. Some of the church of the Nazarene would offer the account of Pentecost as uh, those believers' experience of entire sanctification. I'm not one of those that would interpret it that way, but I respect that position. In fact, I wonder if the saving, life-changing benefits of Christ's death on the cross were first applied in the hearts of those believers on Pentecost. There's some good scriptural support for uh, entire sanctification and compelling reason to believe in that second definite work of grace by virtue of the experience of so many, including my own. I've given you that testimony before. At the age of 10, I invited Jesus into my life. I came to recognize my need for forgiveness. I heard that Jesus was the Son of God, that he died on the cross for my sins, that he was raised again, that God loved me and had a purpose for my life. And I believed that, and he saved me. And the Spirit applied the benefits of Christ's death to my heart that day. But on March 29, 1976, I came to a place where I recognized that God hadn't just saved me from something, but for something, that he wanted to do more In me, something deeper. I came to recognize a sinfulness about me that I was born into. There was even a struggle of my will and God's will. All the rest. And I asked him to come into my life in a deeper way, and I believe he did. We recognize that God wants us to offer ourselves a living sacrifice. We're all in. Complete surrender. God wants to sanctify us through and through. And when we make that offering of ourselves, God does a deeper work in us. Now, can God do all that in one fell swoop? Absolutely, I believe he can. But there are a bunch of people that have uh, experienced that second definite work of grace. Whether one fell swoop or two works of grace, there's lots of growth to happen even after that. Amen? Well, there's a lot we could unpack there and even debate. (laughs) But whether you believe in two works or one or something else, here's a certainty. God intends for all of us to be filled with the Spirit. Amen? It's not just for the spiritually elite, not just for the charismatics. And the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians chapter 5, be filled with the Spirit. He was talking to everyone, you, me, each of us. Here's what uh, I came to recognize. You can't fill something unless it's empty. How many have a garage here? How many actually have a car in your garage? That might represent the minority of Americans. I don't know. Maybe your garage looks something like this. If you're going to get a car in that garage, some things are going to have to get out of there. You're going to have to have a garage sale. Your new pastor is Dale Michelle Butler. You can move on from that. That's going to be a distraction. Dale Michelle Butler are coming soon to live in your parsonage across the parking lot. If Dale and Michelle are going to move in with all their stuff, guess what? 
Keller and I are going to have to move out, get our stuff out of there, which isn't much. Actually, it's mostly your stuff and Golden Bell. It's the same with the Holy Spirit. He can't fill a house. He can't fill my house when I got all my stuff in there, my way, my will. The Holy Spirit comes to live in us when we're saved, absolutely. Romans 8 and 9. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if God's going to do something more in us in a second work or in a lifetime of work, it's not more of the Spirit that we get. The Spirit gets more of us. You following that? The Spirit's already in there. He came into my life when I was 10 years old. But at 16, he wanted more of me. And he got it. And I've completed the testimony a year after I said, God, whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go, whoever you want me to be, he called me to do what I'm doing here this morning. We've rented our house back in Gaithersburg, Maryland for this time. We've been away, a good bit of it anyway. And the renters had access to almost our entire house. Not the attic, a couple of storage areas, didn't trust them with a gas grill or the wood stove. Almost the whole house. And there are some Christians that do the same. I surrender almost everything. <laughs> Except for this, this, that, stay out. We have got to give God the Holy Spirit access to every room, every closet, every nook and cranny, every crawl space, full surrender. I'm going to swap analogies. I, I think this is one of the best. Think back to October 19, 1985 at 2 p.m. on a beautiful October Saturday in a New England-style church in West Grove, Pennsylvania, when Kelly and I exchanged vows and committed ourselves to each other. One flesh, one bank account for a lifetime. No more dating, just Kelly and me. And that's what Jesus wants with you. Two Sundays ago, I asked the question, who needs a fresh touch? Who needs filled again? I raised my hand. I really do. I'm looking around some of my colleagues, retired or still active. Um, we need fresh touches every once in a while. Uh, this chapter of my life, I do. I'm realizing as I've prayerfully considered my own question, the next question to answer is, am I available? Am I all in? Is every room in my house, every closet and crawl space available to God's Holy Spirit? Think about what Kelly's question last week. It's about the same. Is there anything that's hindering me from experiencing all that God has for me? 19th century evangelist D.L. Moody said, I believe firmly that the moment our hearts are emptied of pride and selfishness and ambition and everything that is contrary to God's law, the Holy Spirit will fill every corner of our hearts. But if we are full of pride and conceit and ambition and 
world, there is no room for the Spirit of God. We must be emptied before we can be filled. And then, having been filled, making myself available to all the means of grace, keeping in step with the Spirit, living by the Spirit, and occasionally being filled again. It always blows me away after Acts chapter 2, you go two more chapters, Acts chapter 4, that very same group of believers are praying again, and doggone if the Holy Spirit didn't fill them again. Two chapters later, every once in a while, perhaps we need filled again. God wants us to be filled with His Holy Spirit. Coming down the stretch here. After Pentecost, the work of God in Christ was complete. Believers had power. There was witness. People were being saved. The church was devoted to each other, to the apostles preaching, to, to prayer. Why? Well, because they were filled with the Spirit. It made, he made all the difference in the world. Why were they filled with the Spirit? Because they were available waiting, praying. Why were they doing that? Because Jesus told them to. They were simply doing what Jesus had told them to do. Sometimes we just make it so complicated. We get in these theological, doctrinal kinds of things, and I enjoy those, but Open the word and open your heart and just do what Jesus tells you to do. And in fact, that's the work of the Holy Spirit to remind you of that. Here's one of my favorite quotes from a Roland Allen in his book, The Compulsion of the Spirit. I keep it in the back of my Bible. The spontaneous expansion of the church reduced to its elements is a very simple thing. It asks no elaborate organization, no large finances, no great numbers of paid missionaries. In its beginning, it may be the work of one person, and that a person neither learned in the things of this world nor rich in the wealth of this world. What is necessary is faith. What is needed is the kind of faith which united a man to Christ, a woman to Christ, sets him or her on fire. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. I need that. You're getting ready to welcome new pastors. Dale Michelle will be here in just a month. Your growth, your health, your kingdom success in the days ahead do not depend much on this building or your budget. Depends on what I'm talking about today. Our Easter season theme has been Christ in us, the hope of glory. When I uh, hear that, I think, first of all, of the glory of heaven, the hope of glory, experiencing that one day. But the hope of glory is for today. The hope is that we can live a life that brings glory to God. And as you do that, you've got some great days ahead. I think this morning I'd just like to have a stand. Would you do that?
I really am big on means of grace. I think we don't experience direction and power and leading and fruit because we neglect those means. We're we're not opening the word. We're not spending time alone with God in prayer. We're not in relationship with brothers and sisters that can encourage and challenge us the way we might be. I'm big on that. But I also know there are just times when you need a fresh touch. You just need filled again. And I'm wondering in the quietness of these moments if there aren't just a few of us that are there that would like to come and pray here at these altars or right where you are and just ask God to send his spirit fresh and anew to you. I don't think we're going to do music. I don't think we're going to do anything else but just linger. Do exactly what those 120 did day after day after day until suddenly we might just uh, bow our heads and close our eyes and create the opportunity for each of us individually to seek God and just a little bit of time I'll pray lead us in prayer but let's just linger kind of get in a hurry a little bit maybe sometimes us pastors let words our words get in the way just want to linger what's your desire What's your hunger? What's your need? He's here. That might be him calling. I don't know. Father, we seek your face. As the old timers used to say, Father, give us judgment day honesty today. Help us to imagine that day that we'll stand visibly in your presence. God, we don't want to have any regrets. Search our hearts. Know our anxious thoughts. See if there's any wrong way in us and lead us in the way everlasting. I pray for myself 
I pray for this church, for each one, for a fresh touch of your spirit in these days, even in this moment. We really are nothing without you. We can get along, we can hold down jobs, we can... get a lot of things done, but Lord, to experience the fullness of the life that you want, we need you to breathe into us. I pray that you do that now for those that are asking, and I pray that you do that in the life of this church perhaps other churches represented here today in these important days ahead. God, I pray that all in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to do something today um, so that any that would like to linger and pray can. Let's uh, take our conversation out to the lobby or parking lot, and let's leave quietly today as we seek His presence. God bless you as you go. Ask her.